are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hopefully your week is going swimmingly thus far as it winds down looking ahead to the weekend. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Today we're continuing our network-wide series that we started earlier this week, Franchise What Ifs. On Tuesday we talked about some of the mid-90s what ifs. What if the Wolves don't draft Kevin Garnett? What if they don't trade Ray Allen for Stephon Marbury on draft night the following year? And what if the illegal Joe Smith contract doesn't happen at all? Today we'll have Jerry Zagoda on the show, the former Timberwolves beat writer for the Star Tribune. We had a great conversation about many things. He covered the Timberwolves for the first several years of their existence left during the Garnett era and then was back for most of the David Kahn and Rick Adelman era, or I guess all of that era and into the, uh, the very end of the Tom Thibodeau era. So we had a great conversation about all kinds of what ifs spanning really the entirety of the Timberwolves franchise history from basically Garnett on, um, and then talk a little bit about the current team as well. I wanted to get his thoughts as the former beat writer for the club for, for many, many years. That's coming up right away. First, though, a quick reminder to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. Let's go ahead and get right into our conversation with Jerry Zagoda of the Star Tribune. All right, we're going to continue our What If series with a guest today. Here today is Jerry Zagoda, who is a longtime Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune for the Timberwolves. Um, Jerry, first of all, thank you for joining me. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. So before we get too far into a Timberwolves what ifs, I should clarify for the listeners, you aren't currently on the Timberwolves beat, uh, but you are still at the Star Tribune. You're covering United FC and, and golf mostly. Is that correct? And general assignment, whatever whatever they have me to step up and to the plate and hit. So uh, the days of getting on a plane, well, they're done now anyways, but the days of getting on a plane every other day are over for me of covering the NBA beat. But I, I did it 16 years for the Wolves and covered one playoff series, which... I think I have a uh, lower winning percentage lifetime than Kurt Rambis. <laughs> I, I like I like the way you put that. I think uh, most of the listeners are going to agree that um, whether, I mean, I guess you you covering the team is a little bit different than just being a fan, but for all the fans that have been fans that long, it's certainly, uh, it seems about, it feels like we've been watching a lot of Kurt Rambis years, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, well, God, God bless them for people who have stuck with it. Yeah. Hope springs eternal every year. There's a, they've always been just good enough to give people some hope. You know, they got to, that's right. Rubio came and they had the Rubio love. You thought that might be something. And then you've got uh, Jimmy Butler and people thought that might be something. There's always just kind of enough to hope Adelman comes and people think, okay, maybe we're going somewhere here. And yeah, there's they're, they're always back to, to step one. There's been a lot of false starts. I think that that's fair to say. Um, the uh, Well, in, in your tenure covering the Wolves, you were there at the beginning and then left for a lot of the, I guess, really the only truly good years, um, I guess, sorry to put it that way. And then, and then came back for the, uh, the David Kahn years up until the last couple seasons, right? Yeah. I covered the uh, Garnett draft. Uh, I did that when people were asking whether he was going to be the next Moses Malone coming straight out of high school or the next Chris Washburn. And then that's the whole Garnett era, which tells you about my sense of timing. And <laughs> from uh, whatever it was, 95 to 07, I came back on the beat just as they had traded him away to Boston. Man. 
Yeah, that's uh, not great timing. I mean, to be fair, like, so we, in the first episode of this What If series that we're doing, we covered um, a little bit of the, uh, basically, what if the Wolves hadn't drafted Garnett? What if the Joe Smith contract, uh, legal contract hadn't happened? And what if the Wolves hadn't traded Ray on for Steph Marbury? Um, Now, uh, I guess, I guess the, well, I guess when I ask you, first of all, Jerry, what what comes to mind in terms of the biggest what if in terminal history? There's obviously tons of them, and I've got a list, um, especially from the the Con Adelman era, which is was kind of the sweet spot there of your second tenure or your second stint covering the team. But when I say what's the biggest what if in terminal history, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? I think probably the biggest of them all, and, and as you said, there's a million of them. There's so many to choose from. What if they had drafted Steph Curry? Yeah, they had. Picks. They were all set up. Actually, they were they trans- transitioned from Kevin McHale as their general manager, and then they hired uh, David Kahn, which I'm still trying to figure out why they did that. But <laughs> right, but in '09, and they were set up with uh, four picks. Well, they had three picks, I think, uh, going into it. And then when Kahn came on board, he tr- he traded for a fourth pick, so they had the fifth and sixth picks in the draft, which they used to take Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. And uh, I remember being in, they had a draft party. I remember being in Target Center that night. And when they drafted Rubio, fifth, everyone was going, you know, ole, 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 ole. They were all, everybody was singing. I was thinking, you know, there's all so many point guards in this draft. But if you draft Rubio, a guy to dribble and penetrate, you got to draft a shooter next. They got to draft Curry unless they make the trade, don't they? So in those five minutes, I'm going, it's got to be Curry. And then all of a sudden it becomes Johnny Flynn. Now you can go back and call, you know, any of this revisionist history because if they had drafted Curry, there's no telling that he would turn out would have turned out to be the player that he is now. Yep. yep. Just in the, the 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 culture of the franchise, how they raised, you know, how they developed mm-hmm. him. No chance. No telling if you if you brought him into Minnesota that he would become the greatest shooter in the history of the game. But still, he was a guy at six that you know when when they drafted Johnny Flynn, everybody was looking around going, "There's got to be a trade." And constant word down to the, the media room, "No, we're going to play him together." Like. Danny Ainge and uh, Dennis Johnson. Yeah, there was the Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, and yeah, Joe Dumars talked the two point guy. I remember that. Yeah, well, and at the time, um, well, so I was actually going to ask you that next question: Is do you think Steph Curry? This is a whole nother what if, but what happened? You know, does Steph Curry develop? And you already hit on that because the culture in Minnesota is obviously very different, especially with uh, at the time David Con- and actually that was still Kurt Rambis, I think, was coach that year. Um, and the following, and obviously Rubio didn't come over, come over for a couple of seasons. The following year, I was actually at the draft party. That was the West Johnson year, um, and I remember Kurt Rambis, you know, sitting up on the stage and talking about the West Johnson pick and how he was the most NBA ready player. And that was, of course, he was going in the weeds now, but he was picked over to Marcus Cousins that year, which is another what if, you know, and because... And Paul George. And Paul George, yeah. And there were rumors that year about, and who knows how, how you know, legitimate they were, but rumors about the Wolves looking to trade um, a pick for Paul George that year or, or, or trying to, excuse me, trying to trade, um, I think it was trying to trade Johnny Flynn and some other yeah. asset for a pick. Supposedly, like I had a good source that said they had that all, all uh, set up. They were going to trade Flynn and I don't know what else mm-hmm. for the to get George. Yep. And have George and Wes Johnson, but that their con wasn't ready to give up. I don't know if he was worried about to trade Flynn one year after drafting him, but he wasn't ready to give up on him. And you know, to be fair to him, he had that hip injury where he never really came. But but he was also a little bit, you know, they they brought him in here and they gave him a starter's job right away, which maybe they shouldn't have done, but then he had the hip injury. Yep. It just it just never worked out. I mean every year you could say, you know, what if they had drafted uh Jamal Murray instead of Chris Dunn. What if done? Yep. You just go back on all the draft picks 
Uh, yeah. you know, they had taken, you know, it, it's, this is revisionist too. You know, we've taken right. I Leonard 15th over Derek Williams second. Right. I had a, I had a feeling, uh, I was at the, the, um, uh, this would have been 2011 and I was at the draft combine. Uh, and everywhere I turned, I saw Kawhi Leonard with Wolves people. And I always thought that they were trying to find a way either to get another pick or to trade up and get him or mm-hmm. trade, get him. Yep. But dead. But, uh, that was like going into the, that draft. That, that was one of my things to watch to see if they ended up with Kawhi Leonard and they never did. Yeah. So, I mean, you look back at that draft and that's, um, you know, I always thought, you know, number two, Derek Williams was kind of the, that was the, uh, you know, best player available. They aren't in a position to, you know, mess around too much, but I, you know, you forget that Leonard was picked later in that draft because some of the other ones you've already mentioned, Jamal Murray, you know, that was kind of an obvious one. I think a lot of people thought he should have been picked over Chris Dunn. There's a few of those where you go back and go, man, what were they doing? The Curry one being the most obvious. And then there's some of them where it's like, well, they took the best player available. And I think the consensus was Derek Williams was, but of course, then you had the whole, you know, duplicating this, essentially the same position as Kevin Love. And, um, and we all know that that didn't really turn out. Um, yeah. It's kind of not fair to go back and say, you know, the, the, they made a mistake by doing it because he was sort of the obvious pick, but there yeah. were other options there. I know they had looked into trading down and they just never did it, but you know, there, Clay Thompson was there at what, 10 or 11. And mm-hmm. there are, there are other players, but I, I think they just felt like they couldn't. Uh, Derek Williams had such a great game in that one tournament game and that, you know, he seemed to be the, the obvious pick, but uh, again, you know, that's no, no telling where, you know, it's, if somehow they had traded the picks and, you know, the Spurs end up getting Derek Williams, who's not to say he ends up being an all-star. You never know. Right. Right, exactly, um, and the draft. And you said this, but the draft is the easiest revisionist history because it's, um, uh, you know, it's always various levels of a of a crapshoot. Obviously, you do all your research and everything, but you know, everybody passed on Giannis. Essentially, the Wolves passed on him that year too. I mean, but, but lots that's, of smart teams I, did. For, I had completely forgotten about that one, but that's yeah. another one because they had the ninth pick in that draft, and Flip had his was all over uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Wanted mm-hmm. him, yeah, and then. Um, uh, he goes and gets taken eighth right ahead of him. Yep. So sitting there without the guy he, he wants to draft. So he's, he trades the ninth pick to Utah for 14 and 21. And this is of course revisionist, but if he had taken Giannis and Rudy Gobert 14th and 21, yeah, this- change as compared to Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Zhang. Right. Well, and looking back at, you know, both, you could argue, I mean, Shabazz Muhammad didn't end up having too great of a career, but I mean, for a time it looked like it was, between Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang, he got the better of the trade. Trey Burke was, you know, essentially washed out of the league. He's bounced back a little bit, but um, he had really done nothing for a couple of years for Utah. So he that actually turned out okay. But obviously, yeah, I mean, what what if it gone a different direction? Before we jump into the non-draft related what ifs, and there are still plenty of them, we're going to get into the the Rick Adelman years here in just a second. But I wanted to talk again about Bilt Bar. I've talked a lot already about how amazing Bilt Bar tastes. My favorite gone on record so far is my favorite being the chocolate coconut almond, which tastes, I don't know if I can use the uh, the brand name, but I'm going to gonna say it. It tastes just basically just like an almond joy. Um, it's delicious. Um, Bilt Bar, all Bilt Bars are protein bars that taste exactly like candy bars. There are 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors. There's eight chocolate nut free flavors. And the bars are covered completely 100% in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Built Bar is perfect for health conscious folks, guys and gals. Lose or maintain weight while you're indulging in a delicious treat. I mentioned I enjoyed a couple of them on last Saturday when I was taking a, what turned out to be almost a three hour hike and they were 
delicious. They were nutritious. They helped fill me up after not eating as much as I probably should have before I went on a hike. And uh, they were fantastic. Uh, all the bars are low calorie. They're low sugar. They're high protein, high fiber. One of the other ones I've tried so far that's delicious is the mint brownie flavor. There's 15 grams of protein in mint brownie, only 110 calories, just four grams of sugar and five grams net carbs in the mint brownie flavor. Every single one I've tried has been fantastic. Again, chocolate coconut almond is my favorite so far. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. It's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. So, I guess moving a little bit away from drafts because um, the, the the obvious one, Rubio and Curry, we we already hit on. What so for me the biggest what if of the Adelman era um, beyond the so the Rubio Flynn draft that was prior to Rick Adelman's hiring. Adelman gets hired right before the lockout season. Rubio comes over. Um, I think there's two big ones. Well, Adelman's coach. The first one is Rubio tears his ACL in March of 2012. Um, And then the second one is the Kevin Love infamous quote unquote knuckle pushups from the next fall, um, which then he only played in 18 games. That was the year when they signed Andre Kirilenko and that team. uh, I think they only won like 26 or 30. It was in the the low thirties games, I think. Um, And and could have been a really good team. And then they, you know, the following year they lose Kirilenko. There's some changes and they're mostly healthy and they only win 40 games in a year when it felt like they should have been a lot better. So how does that trajectory change? Um, I guess you could pick any one of those. I just rattled off like three, but um, with the Rubio ACL and then the love injury the following season. Well, those two things, uh, the Rubio uh, injury for sure, because I can't remember, they were either above 500 or right at 500. I think they were two games above 500 at the time, yeah. You know, it was a shortened season because the, the 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 lockout. But, uh, you know, there were signs that they were starting to figure some things out and they were maybe going someplace. And then Rubio um, does, uh, tears his ACL. Love gets uh, hurt. I'm trying to remember. I can't even, it all blurs together for me. I can't remember exactly what year and when Love got hurt. But the other thing that was key in all this was Love was due up for a contract extension. And that was when you could have one player designated as your fifth. I don't remember what the term was for the player, but designated to get a fifth extra year and extra money for it. And they wouldn't give it to him. And I know Love's suspicion was that they were holding it for Ricky to keep Ricky happy. You know, they were holding that slot because they wanted to give it to Ricky to keep him here long-term and that Love didn't get it. And that completely changed the whole direction of everything. Because if, if ever a guy was ticked off at getting $64 million, they, he signed that contract extension, he was just pissed. And uh, that really was the very beginning. It took a couple of years for them to trade him, but everything changed with that. You know, he, he, uh, somebody told me the story a couple of nights before that, that basically Khan came in with the offer and Love just kind of crumpled it up and threw it you know, like a, towards the wastebasket. He ended up taking it, of course, because you don't turn down that first big contract. But uh, that kind of forever changed the trajectory of this team and his place in it. And then uh, sometime later, I don't even remember, months later, he gave this one-on-one interview with uh, Woj um, from Yahoo at the time. And fans got a little sour to that because you could could tell he expressed his anger in that. You could could tell the day he signed that he wasn't happy, but he came out and said some stuff. And all of that was, you know... I don't think you. I don't think he was ever going to take you to the promised land. But uh, with him and Ricky, people were excited. You know, they had early on. They had that victory over the Clippers on a Friday night in the ESPN game where Ricky had been terrible. Then he makes the three to tie the game, and then Love wins it. And you know, people there was some excitement. And then I think 
the balloon just got uh, deflated once uh, the whole contract thing came up. And again, it was just another start over. You know, this seems to start it over every two or three years, whether it was a new coach, a new superstar, a new GM. And uh, when there's no stability, it's hard to, to keep going for the long run. Yeah. And so obviously the, the fast forwarding a little bit, but the book is far from written on Carl Anthony Towns and obviously this new regime now with, uh, with Gerson Rosas as the president of basketball ops and Ryan Saunders as the head coach, but somewhere in the middle there, we talked a little bit about the, the love, the contract offer. Um, it, my theory is if, if, and I don't know how the contract offer plays into this, if maybe that's part of the reason why the team underachieved because there was some, you know, underlying unhappiness and, and some of that, but the team really underachieved after the Rubio ACL, the love injury. Um, and then they just had that fluky year where, you know, a lot of the the metrics and the Pythagorean, the point differential, all that said they should have won 48 games and they won 40 because they couldn't close close games was the, and you know, you can argue as to why that was, was it because Rubio couldn't shoot? Was it because they choked? Was it, Adelman, you know, playing JJ Brea down the stretch or whatever you think it, it was that they were, you know, not finishing games that year. If the team's any better, if Love doesn't get hurt, if Rubio doesn't get hurt, what if this is a, you know, they are the seventh or eighth seed two, three years in a row. Maybe Love doesn't get unhappy. Maybe he doesn't request the trade. Maybe Flip Saunders can smooth things over after he takes over. Does this team become a perennial, you know, barely squeezed into the playoffs? team that then doesn't get to draft Carl Anthony Towns in, I think it was 2015. Um, all it would have taken was one more love year in Minnesota and that draft pick doesn't happen. Um, and the Wolves don't have Carl Anthony Towns. And maybe, almost certainly, there'd be more playoff seasons to talk about than one over the last 16 years. But there almost for sure wouldn't be a Carl Anthony Towns. And also, there would have been no Andrew Wiggins either. And they'd be very brief uh, discussions about the playoffs too, probably, if yes. they'd gotten you know, eighth, eighth or seventh. I think a lot of it was... Yeah, I think with those two guys going forward, I still don't think you had the number one guy. I don't think Love was a number one guy to get you, you know, to the to a top uh, uh, home court advantage, you know, seed. And and Ricky just needed better players around him because you know at the end of games, teams just didn't defend him. They didn't have to because he couldn't shoot. And uh, you know, you had Love, but you still you still needed a number one guy among that group, and that's that's what they were lacking. I mean, they gave some sizzle and some excitement, and you know, it, it was certainly a, a breath of uh, fresh air than um, than than before them, but they still that te- that team wasn't built for the long haul, you know, for for the run just the way it is. They needed one more big piece to it. I know there was a time there was all kinds of times, you know, with Con trying to do things in that 2012 draft or 2011 draft when they took Derek Williams just when Ricky had signed to come on after um, the two year wait, and uh, you know he tr- he tried to get uh, Paul Gasol. You know, that didn't work out. And when he first came on, he tried to get Amari Stoudemire. He, he went after some some big names, but nothing really panned out. They just didn't quite have enough with, with Love and Rubio. He still needed a, I think he still needed that number one guy. Too bad you couldn't have like kept all those guys and then got Giannis. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I mean, you said this off the top, why, you know, why the Timberwolves hired David Cohn in the first place. And he made, you know, we've already listed several mistakes that maybe you or I wouldn't have made just by, you know, doing things. Like if you essentially just, make the chalk decision in the draft and do a lot of, you know, what everybody, what anybody would have probably done. This team would have maybe been in a little bit better shape, but he still ended up with a team that probably should have made the playoffs had it not been for some untimely injuries and some bad luck. Um, But like you said, they likely didn't have a number one guy. Um, A couple more quick questions and I'll let you go, Jerry. Um, I guess, first of all, 
what uh, if, if there's one what if that maybe fans wouldn't be expecting or uh, maybe just uh, something kind of maybe behind the scenes, you mentioned a couple of things that you think would be uh, would be a surprise for people to hear that could have changed the trajectory of the of the franchise. Um, does anything come to mind? Oh man, there's so many, so many with this team. I mean, obviously, if you go, you want to go back in history. What if they hadn't tra- traded Garnett? Yeah, you know when they did. Uh, Flip wasn't associated with them, but I remember him telling me saying that they did some studies and they said, you know, if you're going to get rid of a guy like that, it's going to take you. I think he calculated it seven years to get back to where you, to where you were. Yeah, and all that stuff, and it took them, you know, forever. They got the one year. They did the shortcut. It's funny for all the times that of all the things. We haven't even mentioned his era, you know, all the time things he said is he was always said, you know, you can't take any shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. And they tried to take the shortcut with with Jimmy Butler and uh, that didn't work. I guess that's the other big question is what if they hadn't traded for Butler? What if they had kept the pick? I know they wanted to take Markin in seventh if they had kept it. You know, uh, you still, I guess, had done. But, you know, what could you have? It would have been a longer road to wait again. You know, you wouldn't have got to that playoffs that one year with, with uh, Jimmy. but. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess if you're going to trade for Jimmy, we're all over the place here with the what ifs, but if you're going to trade for Jimmy, you got to go all in on it. You know, he came here and decided that uh, Towns and Wiggins weren't grown up enough, didn't work as hard as he did, didn't want it as much as he did. You're going to go and get him uh, from my armchair quarterback. You got to go in that summer and not sign Wiggins to the max contract. You got to go and move heaven and earth and see if you could trade him for Kyrie that summer. You know, if you're going to go with Jimmy, a guy who's older, give him somebody he wants to play with. Then you've got the whole thing of, you know, trying to have him to re-sign those guys. But go all in and say, let's see if they're good enough that they both want to stay. You keep Towns, young player with great talent. Maybe they can bring him along and nurture him along. and Maybe you can go and get a couple other free agents that you couldn't with, with otherwise to play with Jimmy and Kyrie. But if you're going to go do that, they kind of left um, Jimmy out on an island, didn't pay him the way he wanted to pay, pay him. And then, you know, after one year, we, we know how that all turned out. But uh, that's the other what what if, you know, what if they had kept, you know, uh, traded for Jimmy and then gone out and gotten a guy like Kyrie, even if it was a one-year rental, hoping that together the two friends would play well together, like it there, and then would resign. Yeah, well, and especially with hindsight, knowing that Butler only played a year and a few weeks with the Timberwolves, thinking, because I remember when there were all the Kyrie rumors that he wanted out of Cleveland, and and he allegedly had this list of four teams, and Minnesota was one of them because he wanted to play with. He, he probably saw the future of Towns. He probably saw the, the the potential of playing with Jimmy Butler. And And you're right, it could have ended up being one year, just like it was with Jimmy Butler. Um, but, and then of course, I mean, there's, there's so many and really this could, we could talk about this for two hours, but I mean, if Jimmy Butler doesn't hurt his knee in Houston, does this team get the third seed or the fourth seed in the Western conference and then, um, end up, you know, maybe they get into the second round and then maybe Butler doesn't get as unhappy as quickly. I understand a lot of it had to do with the Wiggins contract, but, um, you know, maybe there's another, and, and it probably still ultimately goes down in flames because of the way that, that Butler felt he was, he was being treated by the franchise, I think. But, um, you know, maybe they could have squeezed a, a playoff win out of it or a playoff series win, I should say. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you never know. It's just, there, there were so many things with that. And, you know, if they hadn't played him so much, does he hurt his knee? Right. There's- you know, there's a there's a, a million what ifs. I mean, we now know why he sat out the All Star game. You know, he obviously wasn't feeling right because five days later, that's when he had the knee injury. Yep. yep. Um, you know, with with uh, bringing here, I think it was just mostly he looked at Pounds and Wiggins and just realized how young they were. Here, guys who yep. wanted video games and didn't want to work like he wanted to do. Didn't want to put in what were at their points in their career that he was. Yep. 
and uh, just said, you know, get, get me out of here. Before I get into my last question with Jerry, I did want to mention our friends again at Blinkist. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down to read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people just like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had time to. I like Blinkist because you can finish any book in just 15 minutes. So whether that's a quick walk, a jog, a run on the treadmill while you're um, self-quarantining yourself at home during the pandemic, maybe it's during a workout or it's uh, you know in the morning while you're waiting for your kids to wake up, drinking your morning coffee. There's several amazing books on Blinkist that I have already um, either read or listened to, and um, I, I can't recommend it enough. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Okay, so last question um, is related to the current. So we talked a little bit more recently towards the end of your second stint covering the team, but what are your thoughts on the on the current team? What are your thoughts? I know it's not your beat anymore, but do you have any thoughts on um, on Gerson Rosas if you've had any chance to cover him at, at this point or Ryan Saunders as a head coach? I know you've you've probably talked to Ryan a few times in the past and he's been around the team for a long time. So what are your thoughts on, on where the team's at currently? Well, I like the move they made. Um, you know, you got, you got Towns. A big question about Towns is how fast is he going to grow up and how quickly is he going to become a guy tough enough to be your number one guy and lead you? You know, because right now I, I don't think he has the question is how long is that process? But the move I did like was going out and get uh, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, you know, you went, spent the money, you targeted him. It took you a while to go get him, but you went and got him. Now you kind of got, for two reasons. One, you got, you got the outside guy. Towns is inside, even though Towns will, in a lot of ways, plays like an outside guy wanting to go out and shoot the three. But you got a guy who can shoot a three. I mean, with, with Rubio, you were never a threat to, to shoot anything, let alone a three-pointer. Now you got Russell who can stretch the defense from the outside, plus they're good buddies and pals. And if they can stay together through this, you're not going to – because it seems like the history of this franchise, it's like – Towns had barely signed the contract and all the woe is me Wolves fans were saying, Oh, he's going to be gone in four years. He's going to be gone in five years. He's going to be gone three years. You know, the Russell thing at least gives you that um, uh, advantage, you know, a couple of years down the road that you can keep those guys together and they, they can do great things. If you can ever see them on the floor together, because this first year, I don't know how many games it was. It was a barely handful that they played together with each other, but uh, yeah, Getting two guys who like each other, you know, they were became big pals when they worked out together before that uh, draft in 2015. And you know, I, I like that move. It's because 
this whole this whole league is about getting the right to your core, your two or three guys, and everybody else is interchangeable. I mean, you know, another what if if we can go way back in history, what if Stefan Marbury hadn't? Yeah. Decided, you know, if uh, uh, greed and envy with uh, Kevin Garnett's contract hadn't ruined that whole thing, what what would have happened? Yeah. I mean, a million of them. Stefan Marbury went out and got Dean uh, Garrett at the time a thirteen million dollar contract because it was a miracle just from that. But you know, the best you need the one, two, three guys, and if you get it, then you can fill all the pieces in around it. And with Russell and Towns, you give them a couple of years. Maybe they are, you know, in one order or another, the one, two guys, and then then you get a third guy in there, whoever that may be, and, uh, and then you just build it with the veterans and role players. Yep. Yeah, I agreed. And, and I agree with you. I mean, I think now they've got two guys who both were all-stars at age 24. And so, you know, this year, both of them were down a little bit, but they were also dinged up a little bit and not in the best situations, had some turnover around them on their respective teams, D'Angelo Russell with the Warriors and Towns with the Timberwolves. Um, so, you know, who knows what happens next, but they've definitely, and who knows with Malik Beasley too, he'll be restric- restricted free agent this summer, but, um, and it was only 14 games, but he averaged 20 points and, you know, he's going to shoot threes at 40% and maybe he's your third guy. And, um, obviously defense is a concern, but there's certainly some hope that, um, that Gerson Rosas in just 12 months, um, might've found, found something that could, could make the team a playoff team in the next year or two. Well, and like some other GMs in here, at least you get the feeling he knows what he's doing. He's seen it. He's been through it. Um, and you've, uh, you've got some faith in him and then, and they've got, you know what, two picks in the top. What's it going to be? Depends how the season plays out, if it plays out, but you know, they'll have a, Top five pick probably in a top what 15, 16, 17 pick somewhere in there. So yep. what they do with that, you know, I know Wolves fans would get tired of perpetually waiting for the draft and the lottery, but uh, um, they've got a chance to see. I, I like Beasley, so you know, I, I think you know, I think they got him knowing they're going to have to pay to, to keep him, and hopefully they'll do that. But uh, it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be fun watching him. I just I would like to see you know what this team looks like when Towns and and Russell are twenty eight. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you, Jerry, for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Um, do you have anything to promote overall uh, at all over at, at uh, Star Tribune? Uh, no, just so that we keep, we keep on going. We keep trying to put out a sports section. I know some places haven't, or they've wrapped it in with other sections. And if you're ever in Minneapolis, pick up a copy of the Star Tribune or go to startribune.com. We've done everything we can to try to, a lot of historical pieces, a lot of looking back, you know, with those sports last, uh, Two months, but slowly things are coming. I, the, I cover the United, the MLS team, uh, Minnesota United, and yesterday they went back to their individual workouts. Nothing together, all physically distanced. But a uh, sign that you know sports is maybe coming back a little bit here. You got that, and the, uh, the Wolves. I think some one of these days will be ready to begin working out at their, in some form at their facility. And you know, if Major League Baseball intends to start by uh, July first, you got the Twins ready. So all kinds of sports in this town. It'll be interesting just to to see, you know, how they try to come back if it works. I, I'm still a skeptic on how all this is going to work uh, with just all the, per, you know, all the different things that can go wrong, but uh, it sure is interesting times anyways. Yeah, I agreed. We'll see if the season actually gets to, uh, to finish out for the NBA too. And, and uh, you know, who knows, there's all this talk about maybe a tournament of some kind, or, or there's, there's a chance that the Wolves could, you know, if they do like a league wide tournament, something like March madness, something that's made for TV, anything could happen. So um, we'll see, but we appreciate you coming on Jerry um, and uh, stay safe out there. All right. Thanks a lot. You too. All right, that's today's show. Thanks once again to Jerry Zagoda of the star tribune for joining us today to talk about, 
several different Timberwolves one ifs. We we ended up being a little bit all over the place because Jerry had such a long tenure covering the Wolves, and obviously there's so many different ways that the Wolves really throughout franchise history things could have gone. So thanks to Jerry for providing his knowledge, some fun. Uh, interesting inside stories. And uh, we'll be continuing the What If series here with our third episode of the week on Friday. And then again, next week, we'll spend another full week talking about what ifs throughout Minnesota Timberwolves history. That's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves. That's at Locked On T-Wolves. Don't forget the tea. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Wolves. A final special thanks to our friends at Built Bar for bringing us today's episode. Visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.